afternoon and welcome to Lunchtime Series, proudly powered by leadershipbydesign.co, where we aim to add value to people's lives. You can listen to us live every Wednesday and Thursday at lunchtime on ebizradio.com, where you can talk about everything leadership, coaching, and marketing. Uh, and you can also listen to us uh, on the Lunchtime Series on all your major podcast channels today, guys. On our leadership segment today, we have human and talented centered strategist, executive coach, agile people, advocate, HR and leadership expert, Anya van Beek. Anya, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Good morning, Kevin. Are you well? I'm well and you. I'm good, good. No complaints. L getting a little bit warmer or at least lighter early <laughs> morning so I can see seasons are changing. Yes, finally. This winter's, uh, we've had a few a few uh, heavy ones this, year, this winter. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been mm. a cold one. So, I mean, uh, Anya, thank you for being back with us again. And, uh, you know, today's conversation is quite, ex uh, I love the topic that we're going to be actually talking about because it's a, it's a nice structure that, that people can sort of implement and take away from this conversation straight away. And, um, you know, it's from an article that, that I sourced on from pwc.com and uh, it, it explores um, the four forces shaping your work your workforce strategy today. So companies that understand and harness these forces will be able to have an edge in creating vibrant workforces capable of achieving sustained positive outcomes. And these four forces are specialization, scarcity, and rivalry and humanity. So uh, before we kick it off, um, Anya, you know, from your perspective, when you hear this, I mean, you you have a wonderful background in HR for many years and, you know, as an HR director and how how important is uh, having a, a proper structure and a proper uh, workforce strategy in place for a business to really, you know, uh, make the impact that they in, in intend to make? Yeah, I think it's it's really critical because I mean any business leader would understand the importance of a business strategy or would actually agree with that. And so important for anyone when you then have a look at it from a people's perspective to say, okay, in order for us to achieve this business strategy, what do we need to focus on or how do we align our people business goals uh, to enable the strategy? And I think it is critical because so often people are not really intentional to think about what's necessary or what's needed for the future. And I mean, when we look at these four sources, I think it really describes it so lovely uh, to, to, to consider, but how do you make it enticing for yeah. people to join? Or how do you focus on the talent and what do you need to develop? So I think it's critical, getting back to your question, to have a strategy and to be clear on what's the milestones and the goals that you want to achieve. And, and considering that the evolution of AI doing what it's doing, you know, one of the conversations I had with someone who's actually going to be joining me on the show soon, uh, also speaking about um, uh, leadership, uh, and she mentioned the importance of, we all constantly speaking about the artificial intelligence and what that's going to be doing and happening and how that's evolving, but no one's actually speaking about the human intelligence and how we're evolving. You know, and you know, it's one of the the book that that I'm releasing in 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 the in October. Um, you know, speaks to speaks to those five points of what what is the evolution of the, the core critical skills that we we're going to need as humans, and how are we using that as an evolution 
or an evolutionary tool to kind of go, yeah, we need, you know, because the, fi the five areas that, that, that it speaks to is creativity, critical thinking, social intelligence, self-management, and attention management. And those critical skills as a skill for a human skill really is going to help uh, push the agenda of that human intelligence and how that evolves. Uh, and I think that's going to, you know, that speaks to, you know, helping meet the actual business strategy of the, uh, of the business. Yeah, and first of all, congratulations. I can't wait for your book. I saw somewhere on social media, I don't know if it was a mock-up of the cover page, but congratulations. We're waiting in eagerness to read that. And I think it's like you said, if you think of skills like critical thinking and conflict management, I mean, all of those five that you've used, that you've no. mentioned, I think is absolutely important because we can't solve problems on the same level that it was created. So that critical thinking, super, super important. I mean, it's a crucial skill for us to have. And a lot of the time people say, yeah, but we know how to do these things. And then uh, once again, to be a little bit more critical and really sit down and say, but how do I support my team to yeah. develop these essential skills? And I, and I think part of that conversation is it's not just up to your manager or your line manager. It's now up to the, the actual employee. Yeah. It's got down to that point where the employees that are in a company who are actively and intentionally taking it upon themselves to lead their own, in, their own environment, their own uh, part that they play in the bigger scheme of things, those companies are going to out, outwit and, and uh, outrun all their competitors based on the fact that, you know, they, they're really looking at all the force, these forces specifically. But just to meet the four forces, it speaks to the, um, the four forces speak to, oh goodness, my, my thing just moved. <laughs> Sorry. No, there that's we. fine. Are you so good? Yes, I'm good. Um, speaking to the four forces, uh, the four forces have shaped workforce strategies at key moments throughout human history, and they're at it again. So by understanding how the forces have operated in the past, you can, uh, you can better prepare your contemporary workforce in weather tomorrow's challenges. And the first one they speak about is specialization. And the one, the one key uh, conversation here is the expertise we obtain and build to succeed, but how can we anticipate the roles we'll need and, and, be, uh, and the roles that's being displaced, right? So yes, the evolution of AI is, is happening and it's there, but that conversation is, are we anticipating how we need to start specializing and where are we specializing? Because I think a lot of people, I mean, to just make this a, a very practical scenario, one of the uh, programs that I'm currently running for in a sales environment, um, <laughs> the head of the head of the sales department said, you know, it, it, if people are an expert in doing something, just like put the experts in place because they there as experts, right? Mm -hmm. um, let them do the expert role. But a lot of and I know many companies that take this approach um, because they have leadership and development or the L&D departments that they actually learning and development departments that they actually rely on. Um, but yet the learning and de the development departments, not necessarily the, uh, an expert in a field of study, mm -hmm. right? So you kind of go, 
Um, learning and development, yes, they're there as a supportive role to be able to help the organization, but they're not experts on certain in certain areas. So yeah. you have to start considering when do you need to specialize and bring a specialist in for this specific thing because you need people to, to really specialize in an area because if you don't, there's companies that are going to do it and they're going to they're going to have the edge on you as a, as a corporate right yeah and i think on the one side i think what comes to mind when i think and consider that point is two things first of all it, it's really about that collaboration because yes we have the experts and yes for example to use your example the D team but yeah. how do we now collaborate differently to give us that competitive edge, yeah? Yes. So that was the first point. And I think then the second point that I want to put it out there for the listeners, I 100% agree with what they said, that we do need to have the experts and putting them in the right strategic roles, um, even considering what they might be because they're the experts and they know, you know, perhaps looking 10, 20 years in it, you know, in the future. However, I do believe that there's also something that's called the T-shaped individual. And the T-shaped individual say, even though I'm a specialist or even then an expert in one area, what are my generalist, I almost want to say skill set or function knowledge that I still need to have in place to yeah. balance it out? Because to only be a specialist in future will not necessarily support your own growth but i get the point of handpicking those individuals to support you to think about the future and anticipate as you've said the roles that we will need or even the roles that might be displaced but i think it's also about as i said that collab collaborative collective intelligence um, that we can build on yeah i think that stands out for me because i think you know the more we do that the more we, we sort of are co-creating and then with the co-creation becomes, uh, you know, a bigger creation. So I think that, you know, uh, it's very important to recognize that, um, you know, part of part of becoming or, or part of specialization is, yes, to have a, speci a, a specialist being able to do that. But how do I co collaborate with that specialist and bring a whole new uh, added something to this environment um, and be strategic about it because part of that would would lend itself to the workforce strategy and the business strategy right wow. i mean the next one they speak about is rivalry which I, I find quite interesting and the reason employees choose us over competitors and that's so true right are yeah. we winning now how can we win as our requirements change with our strategy and i think you know, one of the things you look at in certain sectors uh, of business currently, um, I feel, for example, if you look at insurance or if you look at um, car sales, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, looking at new cars and everything is, everyone's just trying to outwit the next one with, you know, you know, if you buy this car, you can get 10,000 Rand extra specials on your car. And then a different one is like, we'll give you everything for free if you do this, you know, so... <laughs> They're all coming up with uh, strategies on how to how to outwit your rivalry, and I think um, you know part of that conversation is is really important because it 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 speaks to for me it speaks to how am I extra special? How do I do that extra special something for my client that everyone else isn't doing? Because that's essentially 
what the best of the best is pointing to. You know, how do we become the best of the best? And how do we we look at rivalry and saying, okay, well, I can see my competitors doing that, but this is what I do even better. Yeah. And and you know what I'm also thinking, and for me it's because I'm coming from that people perspective, once yeah. again, is why would the employee choose you above employer X? Yeah? Yes. Because we know that the power and the value that we offer is that uniqueness of our workforce or our employees working for us. I mean, we always said that we were in the services business, one of the organizations that I worked with, and they can copy so many things, but they can't copy that culture, that glue that's making you special. I mean, you have seen that walking into organizations and then as you enter, you just feel the vibe, you see it on the smiles, the interaction with the team. And even though this point focus on what do you do uniquely for your customers, I think the starting point is why would I choose to work for you or in your organization? And I see that now. I think I've mentioned it to you. I'm a mom to four young um, adults, and they all now in the brink of what's the next role? What do we, you know, what's the next step in my career? Yeah. And I, I just um, had a conversation with one of them where it's so interesting to say, Mom, these are the options. How do I now choose and to think what these youngsters want from an employer? Um, in their minds, an employer of choice. What is it that they're looking for? I, I'm so glad that you're bringing that element into it because, I mean, the other point that we have is the humanity. But I think that you know, the, the rivalry is, you know, understanding that uh, people want to work for companies. And I think that agenda is is an agenda that people are fiercely aware of, is what is the culture of this this organization? Do I really want to work for business X? Um, and why would I want to be there? You know, you know, what kind of, um, what kind of extra benefits do I get from being in this environment? And I think that's also a very important po a point because when you have an, a workforce that supports the culture and it supports the business strategy, and then you know they 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 collaborate and they work so well together that it's this entire force working against their competitors. Mm. But they they're doing it from a position of yeah, well, but we love to work here. We absolutely love to work here. So it's like a no brainer that like you know this this is something that we do and we do it with eagerness and we do it with excitement, right? So I think that's a very important factor that that people sometimes miss they're yeah. always looking at external and not looking at internal yeah absolutely and i think the two is so closely aligned that even though it's two forces i think when you leverage them um mm -hmm. in a very specific way you will companies will see um the advantage and they will stand out because it will just happens i almost want to say um automatically yeah so, I mean, another one that's part of the, the four forces is scarcity. So the talent shortages and skills de deficit that could harm performance. So where, where are we short on talent now and what skills will we need? So, again, and I think uh, South Africa finds themselves, and I speak from just living in South Africa, um, uh, South Africa finds themselves in a precarious position that uh, – we are incredibly hardworking as a, as a nation. Um, and uh, from people who have moved overseas and from people who do work remotely, 
at an international level kind of go, well, you know, like I'd rather work for a company that is is international because that's that's good for them internationally. Um, but also um, why work in an environment where South Africa's corporate still is trying to catch up with what the global level and the global scale of, of cultures look like out there? You know, if... Uh, one of my friends, just to give you a practical example, one of my friends started at a company and he emailed at 10 o'clock at night. He was finishing his email, sent it out to, to, uh, and he works, he works for a company in Amsterdam. And his HR messaged him the next day saying, listen, please, uh, this is not how we do things here. Like you work between uh, eight and five. Um, if you want to send out an email, make sure it goes out in the morning. We don't do after, after hours work. And he was like, he was so blown away by the fact that they were doing that. Yeah. But I mean, again, you know, it speaks to people want to go there. That's people are leaving for, for that kind of culture. So we do have a scarcity in talent and, you know, that, that's one side of it. And the other side of it is like, how much, how much are we like upskilling the people we do have and yeah. doing what we can to retain the people we do have? Yeah. And, and and once again, Kevin, you have touched on so many important points. And I think the first thing is, as you said, let's learn from the best in the international um, world or in the yeah. world out there, simply because I know France also has a very, very strict um, legislation around working hours. But yeah. I think that's such a small part of the bigger picture, because when we then have a look at but what skills are you know, what is it that people need that when we, when we talk about talent shortage? And I think what's important there is very much aligned to your book, looking at critical thinking, looking at problem solving, looking at things like resilience and stress tolerance and flexibility. So for yeah. me, it's that fine balance between the technical, you know, the new technical know-how. Uh, we all work in a world that's technology is changing like this, yeah. but also focusing then on what people used to call soft skills. And now we call it either essential skills or critical skills because it's not a nice to have anymore, especially if you're a leader. Um, those things like resilience, building your own and your team's resilience. And I mean, a, a practical example links to what you've just said. Are you as a leader then mindful about, you know, scheduling meetings back to back or do you allow a short period of time um to have a, a comfort break or just it sounds funny but just to stretch i actually did a, a a session on friday and i loved it when i worked with the team and you know what they said uh, we were talking about the neuroscience of unlocking high performance and the team said you won't believe it but we as a team had a mindfulness meditation as the start of our friday and it oh, wow. seems to like a ritual that they now put into place. So, yeah, I think when I think of the skills required for the future, it's a no-brainer that we all need to unlearn certain things. And yeah. secondly, to don't think of soft skills, but those critical skills and, yeah, then keeping up with the technology as well. I love that you bring that into that because I think you know when we think of scarcity, we don't we we kind of generally think like like there's a lack of. But if you if you just 
like stop focusing on the external sort of uh, side of things and kind of look at like what ha- what is happening in my environment right now um and how do i why do i give people a reason to want to stay you know so to make sure that there's boundaries in place and you know there's you know people know that you you work until that time people know that you know fridays we have morning meditations people know that that my my well-being is important and I think until South African cultures and organizations don't ra- radically change, um, they're going to run, we're going to run out of skills, you know, besides the fact that people are immigrating at the rate that they are, um, you know, we are running out of skills, but, uh, but it doesn't mean we don't have impact on that environment. We, we can actually impact that environment if we start practically putting things in place as soon as possible. Yeah. And I was actually just thinking out loud because I think this will be unique to each business because now you can actually see how these forces play, you know, comes into play because when the expertise give us a little bit of insight as to what they predict the future roles will be, then it's a lot easier to think of, okay, just having a look at some people do a skills audit of what we have now and where do we need them to enhance learning or be intentional about exposure to certain fields? Um, yeah, and I think that's where all the forces then nicely come together and support one another. Yeah, absolutely. The fourth for, uh, force that, that you've touched on already is, is humanity. So, And it speaks to the good that we do for our people and the world. Does our company purpose resonate with our people? Um, and strangely enough, even today, you know, I, I in working in a corporate environment, you can walk to senior management and say to them, "What is the purpose of this company?" And they don't know, right? It's not it's not an actually a lived purpose. And you know, the, these some of these organizations have been around for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and you're kind of going, <laughs> as an organization, how do you not know what the actual purpose yeah. of this organization is? And Second to that, what do you do that absolutely resonates for your people? How does your people, do they know, you know, why they're doing what they're doing and what that means for the, for the greater good? Uh, And I mean, even does that, does that a question even come up, you know, like, Mm -hmm. do you know what the greater good of what we're doing here is for? Um, And also being that type of leader, being that type of management uh, manager and being that type of uh, employee to kind of go, there must be a reason for why we do what we do. And how can we tap into that humanity to actually uh, sort of have that as part of the the workforce strategy so that that it really uplifts and upholds what the business is essentially wanting to achieve. Yeah, no, Kevin, and I think what I have seen so often is when I think of the best of the best of business leaders, that's actually the people, as you've mentioned, that not only is good with the strategy and the longer term expansion into new geographical areas, but also very comfortable and understand the impact of the people operating system. And that's exactly where things like purpose comes into play. I was doing a coaching session this morning, prepping a lady for a big interview that she's having today. Um, And quite interesting, one of the the prep questions that I've asked her now, um, and then she, she actually showed me the book of Start With Why. 
Now you can imagine, I mean, that's something that that was for her, the answer to the question. And I was actually wondering how would the leaders in the interview respond to that? Because as you say, it's critical for leaders to make that connection. If the individual are very clear on what's their why, how do you link or hook it back to the purpose of the organization? And I think I have told you this story before, but I still love it. It's an old one. The listeners might have heard that before, but that story about, you know, the space race in the 60s when it was between Russia and the U.S., who's going to have the first man on the moon? And eventually it was NASA walking away. However, my husband till today say, no, he thinks that's a hoax, but that's a story for another day. But just thinking of the space race and then all eyes on NASA. And then I don't know if you've heard the one tour group, you know, visiting NASA, walking around and the one guy's, you know, starting to chat with a janitor. And then when he asked the janitor, what what are you responsible for? Uh, He said, I'm here to help them put a man to them, to put a man on the moon. How beautiful is that? So not saying cleaning toilets or sweeping the floor, but a clear connection with what's the overall purpose of what we're trying to achieve. Yeah, and I think that's uh, when you when you hear it from that context, you kind of understand like when it's clearly understood and the purpose is clearly relayed in that way. um, I think there's far far greater outcome with that Mm. and it has such a huge impact. Yeah. So I mean, just to just to recap on on what we what we've been talking about, we've been talking about the four forces that create a more future ready workforce, and that specialization, rivalry, humanity, and scarcity. It, then further in this document, guys, and I will share the document uh, in the in the in the links below and the description box. But um, putting it all together, one of the first questions I ask is, what are what are our starting points? And it's a good idea to document your position against all these forces. And I think that's a good a good reference that they make. Um, so if you want to sort of compare your business and organization to how, how do we fit into this, um, what is the starting point? That's a good place to start. Secondly, they also mentioned, do the forces help or hinder our strategy? And I think that's also a nice way to clarify uh, you know, um, which one of these areas, wh- whether it's, you know, specialization or whether it's the humanity or uh, any of those to kind of go, is this hindering the strategy? And maybe maybe it's one of the legs of this of this chair that's sort of not working or we haven't even considered it because that's probably uh, a very useful way of kind of considering what needs to be upskilled and and, and worked on. And then thirdly, they, they, they speak to, can we translate our business strategy into a workforce strategy? So just a nice structured way of really kind of looking at the four forces shaping the workforce strategy and saying, you know, how do we do this? And, and how do we do this more effectively? And, you know, is what we're doing working? And I think um, that's maybe <laughs> the overall arching question. Um, and yet, like, what do you want to, you know, what do you want to leave people with around around this conversation? Yeah, I think it's such an important one because going back to your question in the beginning, how important is it? And it's so lovely that we're actually ending with that point as well as to say, looking at the business strategy, what does it mean now for the people strategy? And I want to say irrelevant irrelevant of the size of your organization, but be intentional to create that 
people focus or that people strategy, my tip always comes back to um, the humanity part, even though all four are important, my favorite still links back to that humanity, simply because the people in your organization will make or break the the business. You can have a good strategy, but if you don't have the right talent, it will almost get lost. So, um, yeah, I think that is for me the, the ultimate. Fantastic. I love it. Guys, so if you want to find out more, it's the Meet the Force, force uh, Forces Shaping Your Workforce Strategy. Um, this will go out live uh, probably this week sometime. And you can check the link will be left in the description box below. Anya van Beek, she's at, uh, let me, I just, I, I, I need to get this because it's very long. Uh, human and talent-centered strategist, executive coach, agile people advocate, and HR leadership expert. Anya van Beek, thank you so much for joining me. Guys, if you want to get hold of us, her, 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 her information is also in the description box below. Anya, thank you for spending some time with us and have a fantastic week. Thank you. And this is always one of the highlights of my months. Thank you for the interview and the conversation, Kevin. No problem. Thanks. Chat to you soon. Cheers. Bye-bye.